Welcome to The Meaning of Life, a teaching series with Pastor Mickey Bryce from Center Stage Church. The Meaning of Life is a 10-part study of the three letters from the book of John. Now, here's Mickey Bryce. If you are here today for the very first time, or if you're listening on our podcast at some point in the future, we want you to know that uh, we consider it a sovereign appointment, and we are in the second message of a series that's new called The Meaning of Life, and uh, not to be confused with the Monty Python movie. Yeah, you're embarrassed to laugh, but I know you're laughing inside. And it's the study of the three epistles of uh, John. John the Apostle. Rob Styler, our uh, other uh, pastor, is doing a series in the book of John about the different miracles that Jesus performed as recorded by John. And then the three letters of John are very short, and they're found toward the end of the New Testament, and uh, that's what we're examining in The Meaning of Life. We started last week with 1 John 1, 1 through 4, and today we start at verse 5, and we move forward. If you would take your Bible, or I hope you have a Bible if you're listening to the podcast. This is called Walking in the Light. So there was a man who flew into Chicago, and he hired a taxi to take him downtown. If you've ever flown in Chicago, you know that's a trick. As he was riding along, they came to a red light, and the driver went right straight through the red light. The man said, hey, buddy, that light was red. You're supposed to stop. The driver said, yeah, I know, but my brother does it all the time. Soon they came to a second red light, and again, he went straight through the red light. The passenger said, you're going to get us both killed. That light was red. Why didn't you stop? He said, oh, don't worry. My brother does it all the time. They came to a green light, and he stopped. The man said, the light is green. Now the time is to go. Why don't you go on through? The driver said, I know it's green, but you never know when my brother may be coming through. (laughs) Isn't that the stupidest thing you ever heard in your life? Let's talk a little bit about light. Every photographer loves light. My father was a photographer. God bless him. He taught me a lot about the nature of light, how light works, and so on. In photography... Light is everything, how you control light, how you allow it into the camera, onto the film, etc. When I was growing up, we had a dark room in our house, in the garage, and that basically is a place where you have these trays and, you know, the photographic paper and an enlarger and all this stuff. It was so much fun to learn about, and he took pictures every Christmas, every athletic event. My family knows what it means to stand there and wet your lips. That's what you're always told when somebody's taking your... Wet your lips! I guess that's so your lips look shiny. I'm not quite sure. But I remember the dark room and all the photographic paper. We would take this little piece of film, stick it in the top, and shine this big light, and it would go down on a board, and we'd put a piece of photographic paper in there for, I don't know, three seconds, turn it off, and then develop it all under what's called a black light which is a safe light, actually, and it was cool. It was illuminating. 
The second thing that I think probably more than most I've had my experience with the trouble and also the joy uh, of acting. You know, we have a community theater here and there's probably not too many uh, churches our size, this size of building that has a lighting system like this, okay? If you tell an actor, there's not one single actor that's ever done anything that doesn't understand when the director screams out, find the light, okay? So if there's a spotlight on me and I'm standing with my face halfway off of it, you would think that an actor would realize that. But alas, sometimes they don't. Therein lies the need for me to yell when I'm directing. Find your light, comma, and the rest is a blank. That light is what identifies you to the audience. So first, the light is illuminating. Second, is it identifies the actor or actress. Third thing, everybody here probably at some point in your life has been to the beach. You know you get out in that light a little bit too much, and what happens? Skin turns red, doesn't it? Amazing transformation. Anyone who has spent too much time at the beach knows the damaging effects of light. It's inescapable. There is nowhere you can go unless you have some sort of protection from that light, from that sun. So, did you know that what God said after he created an alternative pattern of light and darkness? Go back to the creation. He said, I think I'll call it a day. 1 John 1 5 through 10 says this, if you want to follow it with me. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Amazing. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, and the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Father, we pray today that you might impress upon us both the, um, what this is saying, but also more importantly, what it means to our lives. Help us to understand what grace is, what uh, this picture of light is as it relates to you, our Heavenly Father, and Christ, our Savior, the illuminating Holy Spirit. Uh, we pray that you might open the eyes of our heart, that we might see and hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what does John mean when he says, walk in the light? So, I know what I mean when I tell an actor, get in the light. Okay? It's similar. It's similar. Let's start with what it does not mean for God to say, walk in the light. What is darkness? Okay, in the picture here of the scripture. 
When the Bible uses the word darkness, it usually means one or two things, maybe three. Ignorance, guilt, or misery. Ignorance, guilt, or misery. It can mean any of those things. They're pretty depressing, right? Has anybody ever experienced ignorance? Don't raise your hand. How about guilt? You can raise your hand. Yeah. Anybody ever felt guilty? Who cried when old Yeller died? Right? All right. Uh, how about misery? Seems like a daily occurrence when we look around the world, isn't it? You see people in misery, which makes you miserable. How many of these things are good? None of them. God is light, and in him is no darkness, which means in Christ or in God, there is no ignorance, no guilt, no misery. So why would we walk with him? Get away from those things, huh? Hallelujah. They are things we experience every day, do we not? Ignorance, guilt, misery, in part or in full. I don't know... The answer is ignorance. I did a bad thing is guilt. And it hurts misery. Sin hurts, doesn't it? It hurts you. And even if it doesn't hurt you immediately, it hurts you eventually. And even if you don't feel it, it's still true because it's coming. God is light. So what does the Greek word mean? When John wrote God is light, the Greek word for light is P-H-O-S, phos. Anybody know a word that comes from that? Yeah, the element. Is that right, you scientists? Phosphorus, okay? So it is the nature of that which is uh, burning and creates light. Light is the very first thing created. Let there be light, and there was light. Think about that for a minute, because again, this is one of those things, we've heard it all our lives, we know the story of Genesis, we've read about it, we've heard it preached, but think about, I mean, what I think about is, what would it been been like if it were to have been possible, and if I could have been there to see that? So you're like hanging out, nowhere. Let there be light, and then light happened. What happened to make light happen. That'll blow your mind. Try to figure that one out. God said it, and it happened. It's the first thing that was created, and he patterned it after himself. Isn't that beautiful? All of us create things that are creations of ourself. Um, when you build something, or when you write something, or when you paint something, or when you live for something, what we're creating with our work or with our hands is something that is a reflection of ourselves. I have often believed as a, as a Christian artist that creativity is the unique image of God in the human being. The contrast there is with the animal kingdom, which they certainly do cool things, but they're built into their instinct there, which is an intellectual thing. But human beings can create something where there was nothing, 
which is the essence of creativity, which is the essence of God. And I might add the essence of beauty. It's why it's so meaningful to people to make something with their hands or with their body or with their mind. When we create something that didn't exist, it's not just flippant sort of thing to keep you busy. Whether it be something that has a practical use or whether it has no practical use except beauty, which is maybe the highest practical use, it fulfills something down. Everybody that's a creative person knows this. The truth is we're all creative people. So here's God, and the first thing he created was light. And it was the greatest essence of himself. Light shows us the truth. Without light, we can't see. Okay, so think about it. Because in nature, it's also a reflection of the real deep truth. Without illuminating light, we can't see what's right and wrong. Come in here in this room after the painters painted the roof black and try to find something when all the lights are off. You can't do it. In fact, you'll kill yourself walking through here. Okay? I've done it. Well, not terminally, but I've... It's, it's bad. Light shows us the truth. With light, we see things as they properly are. With light, we see evil to be evil. And we see truth to be truth. And the discernment of the difference between the two is the nature of human wisdom and God's wisdom. Wouldn't you love always to be able to look at the things around you in our world where it's very difficult sometimes to wonder if you're being lied to about this or that? We really have no idea half the time. But with light being illuminated in the proper places, you can see that. So John is beginning to talk about this. And the third thing, truth, perfection, but it also shows us the path. And the Bible is very clear that the Word of God, the printed Word of God, is the light to our path. And John says, walk in it. So what does it mean to walk in light? Okay, without belaboring what seems that it might be obvious, Anybody that's gone camping has a good idea of what walking in the light might mean. Honey, I left such and such in the car. And I won't say that it's the honey is the guy or the girl, because everyone's forgetful and I won't go in there. But honey, can you go out to the car and get... And it's two hours, you know, since you've turned out all of the lanterns and the fire has gone down and it's really dark. So what do you have to have when you go camping? A flashlight. And there's lots of different kinds of flashlight. And picture this though, because we've all been somewhere at night and we're walking along and we can see enough in front of us to know where to go next. But if you try to shine way down there, what happened? It, it doesn't work, does it? So your path really is just the two or three steps in front of you. And it illuminates that path so that you can know where to walk. How many times have we prayed, God, I need to know what the destination is. 
And I think God says, trust me for the next two steps. When you make those two steps, he'll show you two more. And then he'll show you two more. But he doesn't often tell you the eventual destination because God's pretty smart. He knows you might want to not want to go there. Or you might say no. Or you might be afraid or any number of things. Light shows us the path. So the message of John 1, if you were to boil it down, put the podcast into a postcard, it would be this. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. And that's the message. That's the title of this message. So let's talk about what does walk in the light mean. Within these verses, there are three identifiers of those that walk in the light. In other words, what are the characteristics of those that are doing it? Number one, verse six. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So when we walk in the light, we practice the truth. That's a phrase we don't spend a lot of time talking about. Maybe we should. Practice the truth. With these verses, we know that we are not perfect in this world. Anybody that's walked for very long knows we make mistakes. I made a mistake yesterday. Randy made two mistakes yesterday. Mike made three. Diane made four. She was really struggling. Next time I'll switch that. Yeah. John is saying practice the truth. When he says, if we say we have felt, in other words, if you say to me on Sunday, oh, yeah, I'm walking with the Lord. Oh, okay, great. But if you're walking in darkness, in other words, in misery, in sin, in unconfessed sin, or in disobedience to what God has said do, you lie. You're a liar when you say you walk with Him. No, you're not walking in the light. You're pretending to walk in the light. And what's the answer to that? Practice the truth. It doesn't mean you go kill yourself. It means that you practice harder. In other words, always go back. Remember this whole picture of the sailor. I've said it a million times. When you are the, uh, you've got the tiller in your hand in a sailboat and you're heading toward the shore straight ahead and the wind goes, or your sin causes you to, something gets you off course, what do you do? You pull back. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be offset by anything. It means that when you are, you keep your eye on the destination and you get back with the Lord. And we're going to see that confession is that path. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Don't underestimate what God is saying here. Don't think, oh, well, I'm covered by grace. Yes, eternally. But you're still lying and walking in darkness. And guess who the real person that gets hurt by that is? You. So if that's what you want, if that's the way you want your life to be, understand you're choosing that volitionally. It's not happening to you. You're the kryptonite. It says clearly that we are not walking with Him when we sin. We are walking away from Him. 
We wander into the darkness. This is why God made provision for sin at the cross. He knows it is a big problem for us, and we will never, when left to our own devices, we will never walk in the light. We will sidle over there to the, uh, to the darkness because it's a whale of a lot easier. Practicing the truth, what does that mean? It just means obeying to the best of your ability. And when you don't, say, God, I didn't. I'm sorry again. I won't do that again. And you move on and realize that God's, uh, Christ's blood has covered your sin. When faced with a decision, you choose God's way or you choose your way. There's really the only two options. And it is only possible to do this by the Holy Spirit in our life. So people say, well, I still sin. Yes, me too. Well, what happens when I do? Come back to the Lord and say, confess that or agree with Him that uh, that was sin and it was wrong and receive His cleansing power of that sin. In other words, that sin has no permanent power in your life and move on and act forgiven. Instead of saying, oh, getting all... We get hung up with a guilt thing. And we beat ourselves up. Why? It's not really because we think we're guilty. We, we say that. It's because we're trying to bemoan the case. In other words, we can't just believe God because it's too hard to get back over there in the light. So we say, oh, well, God's mad at me and I've got to... This is where the whole concept of... Uh, of penance and all this stuff comes. It's really not a biblical process. There is immediate forgiveness and immediate cleansing when you come to the cross, get on your knees and say, God, thank you for forgiving me for my sin. You get up and it's only when we wander away over here that we sin again. And we need to remind ourselves what we did and come back to Christ. But don't stay over there and say, well, I'm dirty now. You're dirty because you won't come and wash your hands. That's why. That's on you. That's not on God and it's not on the church. All right. We practice the truth. That's the first thing that you can identify people that walk in the light. They practice the truth. Practice makes perfect, not always. But believe me, you've heard me say, you think I'm tough to deal with. You should have seen me back then. We all should be on a process of becoming more like Christ. Whatever it is in you that is not like Christ, God wants to rid you of that. That weakness, that darkness, that sin, that sin that we all see or that sin that we don't all see. He wants to say to you, I want you to walk in the light. And guess what? It's up to you to take the step. It's up to God to cleanse you from the sin. He's already done that. Second thing, not only do we practice the truth, look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. So I'm going to say that is, that is, these words constitute that, that we remain in the light. That's the challenge of the Christian life is staying connected to God. 
So walking in the light isn't just something, it's not standing in the light, it's walking in the light. You understand the difference? Time. Time. Not position, it's time. Stay in the light is what he's saying. Walk in the light means as you are walking, walk with Christ. As you are living your life, invite Christ to be the Lord of it because that's what he has to be. Otherwise, he's nothing. He's not your co-pilot. I remember my grandparents had this bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot. When I came to Christ, that bothered me so much because God is no one's co-pilot. It was a, it was a sentimental mishmash of nothing that to me was more, I never told my grandparents this, they're both with the Lord, so uh, it's, it's a hard deal. Um, anyway, I lost my place here. All right, so remaining in the light. Those that walk in the light, there is the element of time, as I mentioned. Kind of sounds redundant. However, if you take this verse apart in the Greek language, you are going to find some uh, particular meanings. And here's the first one. Walking in the light is about imitating Christ. Whatever you have seen, learned, heard Christ do, that's what you do. That's what the disciples did. Whatever Jesus does, we aspire to do, and in doing so, we rely on the Holy Spirit as we walk in the light. So walking the light is about imitating God. Second, we try to believe the right things. That means just because you say so doesn't make it right. This has to do with several things. It has to do with understanding and study but it also has to do with submission to authority. This is the big problem with American Christians. No one wants to say, okay, God, I'm going to let you decide how I should be. Nobody wants to do it. Few. People say, oh, I'm going to interpret what you say about how I should be to my advantage so that in reality, I can ignore what you say. Walking in the light is about the constant hunger for truth. Truth is the real thing about God. It's a real thing about us. So how do you find truth? First, you come to Christ, and then you receive the Holy Spirit, and He allows you to understand what this book means. This book is the best way to learn about truth because it is truth. And inside of it, you find the story of God through the Old and New Testament. You see how he dealt with people and you understand what truth is. And when God says to do something in Scripture, you, for the most part, find out what happens if you don't do it. Doesn't mean you lose your salvation doesn't mean God doesn't stop loving you. It means your life may be miserable if you ignore truth. 
Uh, if you ignore truth before coming to Christ, <clears throat> you never will. Look around our world. Truth is not only discarded, it is mocked. Mocked. It's shocking. The way Now, I understand not everybody agrees with what they consider truth to be, but okay, get your own church. This is what I think it is. Okay, so I'm going to say that. I think you agree with me. I think it's what the Bible teaches that the Bible is. So truth, uh, you know, is a self-fulfilling prophecy, yes, but it's also debatable and it's also provable. Whatever Jesus does, we aspire to do. We imitate Jesus, but we also believe the right things, and that is the truth. We see who he is. We come to see what the world is. We see how to endure suffering and pain. We can come to understand why things happen to us. And the end of it is you can experience victory in this life. You can the closer you walk to Christ because that's the fruit of the Spirit. Third thing, walking in light causes you to love people. Not just Christians, not just people you agree with, people. Isn't it always a shame when you hear somebody talking about their faith or whatever and you're proud of them, you relate to them, and then they say something at the end that's really, really unkind towards someone else. And that doesn't always happen, but many times it happens because we misunderstand God's judgment from our judgment. And it's sort of like, go around and ask people what they think of Christians. It's not pretty very often. Why is that? Well, sometimes it's because people don't like what they hear because they want to do what they want. Okay, that's on them. Sometimes it's that we forgot that love is something to be extended toward not 75% of the people you meet, 100% of the people you meet, and especially people that you meet that are not like you. And I don't think there's any restrictions on how we should love other people. One of the things that happens uh, in a lot of walks of my life I'm not always known as the pastor. Sometimes I'm the guy who was in a show with you, or the guy who music directed this, or the guy who did that. And they don't really know much about Center Stage, and I don't know them all that well. And I often wonder, I hope that person has a generally high opinion of me, not because I'm insecure, but because I want people to know that that's what God wants from people. And I want people to be better 
This, this, I, I don't want to say this in the wrong way because it sounds self-serving. I guess I ask myself the question, is such and such person that I have worked with, known, whatever, are they better off as a result of having known me? Or are they worse off? In other words, do I give Christianity a bad name if, I, if they find out that I'm a Christian? Or do people say, well, that makes sense? Do people think warmly of you? And I don't mean that we're insecure and we need to have proper self. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the grace of God being extended out into the world and people understanding that you, because of Christ, love them, however they are. That's different from saying everybody can do whatever they want. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that's a fine line to walk. Every parent knows that they're, you know, don't be your kid's best friend, be the parent, okay? So that means saying yes or no to them. And as friends in our world, yes, sometimes people misunderstand that you can be loving and still disagree with people's choices. And just because somebody says what you're doing is hateful doesn't mean it's hateful. What means it's hateful is if you hate. All right. We love others. Walking in the light causes us to have a unique relationship. Now I'm speaking about believers to believers. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're not a believer, please understand that these words are what I think the Bible's talking about in the church or in the Christian um, relationships, Christian to Christian. Uh, walking in the light makes Christians have a unique relationship to each other. It is a deeper and more permanent one than those outside of the faith. Now, I am not saying that we don't wish you, if you're hearing this, to be part of this. We do. But I am saying also that Christian fellowship, because Christ is the bond, is what the Bible means when it uses the word fellowship. It is a word that right here is indicative of the relationship of security and love that is found between believers because the most important thing in the world they share. It is a bond of love tied between believers by the cords of Christ's love. So, if you are a Christian and you hear this, whether you're here today or whether you hear it on a podcast, if you're a believer, ask yourself the question, am I involved somewhere, some way with other believers? And I don't mean sitting next to them at church. I mean involved. Do you have their phone number? Can you text them at 9.30 at night? Without thinking, oh, I'm going to wake them up. Um, when's the last time somebody called you and said, can I be praying for something? Or how did that job interview go? Well, how did you know about that? Well, remember you told me because we were talking. <laughs> Those kinds of things, if you don't have that, 
ask yourself the question, why is that? And there may be some reasons. To me, not any of them are good enough, except you need to get out there and meet some people because they need you and you need them. If you do have those kind of relationships, uh, it's incredible. I do. And I'm grateful many of you are in that circle. Uh, Well, you're all in the circle of Christian love, but many of you text me or call me or write to me or say to me on Sunday, how can I be praying for you? And it's cool. It's blessed, in fact. We're talking about the relationship between believers where you meet somebody for the first time, shake their hand, and if you understand that they're a believer and you're a believer, guess what? You're going to spend eternity together. Forever. That is a bond that shouldn't be misunderstood. It allows us to be humble together. It allows us to be wrong. It allows us to be forgiving. It allows us to say, I'm sorry, or to confront and say, hey, you need to get this straight. And I say that in all, you know, love for you. All of those things is a loving act. If you are not involved in some way with others in the body of Christ, you're not walking in the light, as John says. So based on what this verse says, you ask yourself the question, am I walking in the light? And if the answer, for whatever reason, is no, well, that's on you. So I would say, get your butt in gear. Okay? You can fix that. It doesn't matter if you're 82 years old and single, or if you're 22 years old, and single, or 42 years old, and married, and have six kids, and you have no extra time, male or female, employed, unemployed, you can walk with the Lord. You can love other people and get involved. Figure out some way to connect with a believer, because you need what they have, which is fellowship. It's what God wants for you. It's God's arms and, and hands in your life many times. So those are the three ways that John is saying that, that we walk in the light. We imitate Jesus. We believe the right things. And we love others, which is all about remaining in the light. So verse 9, moving on. Um, it goes on to talk about something called confession. So... Right here, let's just put a big question, uh, uh, what are those? Quotation marks around the word confess or confession. There's a great deal of misunderstanding about what this means and what it doesn't mean. So if you uh, have a, a liturgical or a Catholic background, when someone says confession to you, it may have a negative connotation. Because what it's meant in some circles is that I go inside, pull a curtain, and I tell somebody that I can't see them what my sins are. And then another kind of amazing thing, that person says, it'll be okay if you do these things. 
I find nothing in Scripture to validate such an experience. Nothing. I don't know where that came from exactly, but that's not really what the Bible is talking about when it talks about confession of sin. Confession is really a word that simply means to agree with. And so, verse 9 goes on to talk about that, and if you read it best, um, when you confess your sin, who are you talking to? Well, you can be talking to God. That's the primary meaning. When I confess my sin to God, basically I say, I can confess generally, God, I'm a sinner. Did God know that already? Yeah. But it's important that I know it. Because nobody that doesn't know about their sin ever comes to Christ for forgiveness. They don't have any forgiveness. They don't need it because they don't have any sin, according to them. So confessing our sin means to say, in general, I am imperfect. I do things which are not what you want me to do, God. And I admit that to you. And because of that, I admit that I can't fix that problem on my own. And that's a general confession. And it's intended for God. That we agree with God. Now the Bible does go on in other passages to talk about confessing our sins one to another. And basically that says, you know, don't be proud. When somebody's calling you on something, say, I'm so sorry I hurt you in that way. And in that way, you're confessing that you made a mistake. And don't be afraid to say that because we ought to be secure with one another. But what he's talking about here is the relationship between us and God. Those that walk in the light find it easy to agree with God because we want that, we have the forgiveness. And we want that fellowship. Let me just very briefly uh, share the whole business of uh, what is confession and what is not confession about sin. Okay, so a person that is outside of Christ comes to the understanding based on God's revelation or the word of God that they sin and broke God's law. They come to Christ. They say, God, I admit this before you. I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. I trust Christ as my personal Savior that what he did on Calvary's cross was in order that my sin not be held against me. God says, yes, that's true. I love you. You are forgiven. So we become a Christian. What happens after that? There's two schools of thought. One is, I'm a Christian until I sin again. And then when I sin again, i got to go through all this again. I.e., go sit in a booth somewhere and somebody tells me what things I have to do. And it comes from a man. <coughs> or these days, a woman. The Bible teaches that once we come to Christ, nobody can take us out of his hand. 
including our own sin. So that complicates things. What happens to the person who said, I want to be a Christian, comes to Christ, and it is legitimate, as far as we can tell, but then later on they decide to completely walk away from the faith. What's that all about? Well, one of two things is true. Either the person never came to Christ in the first place, or the person's life isn't over. The question is, what happens to the person who says, I'm a Christian, then goes like every other person and sins, do you lose your salvation? And I would say, based on the Word of God, that that never happens. It cannot happen. Because if it's up to God, God keeps it. Once saved, always saved. So what's happening then if a person sins continually after they've come to Christ? Well, they've just decided they want to go their own way. So they go their own way for a while, and after a year, they realize, my Christian brothers and sisters were right. I shouldn't have been doing all of that. So they sit down with the Lord, and they say, God, here I am again. I'm so sorry. And it doesn't mean you're asking to be forgiven again. It means you're wanting the fellowship restored between you and God. So sin breaks that fellowship when it happens in the Christian's life. <clears throat> and confession can be seen in both situations, the saved and the unsaved. I don't know if that makes sense to you, what I've just said. I would love to explain it more in detail um, but in general, I don't want people to think that they can lose their salvation if they come to Christ just because they sinned. Because guess what? Yesterday I sinned. Am I worried that I'm not a Christian? Not at all. I told the Lord I'm sorry again for that. I know he's tired of hearing it. He's really not tired of hearing it. But that's all you need to do. And then move on. Because it is forgiven as far as the east is from the west. So far has God removed our trespasses. Hallelujah. Do I need to agree with God? You bet. And then move on. Do I need to beat myself up? No, because if I do that, Christ didn't die on the cross. Or it was in vain. Those that walk in the light find it easy to agree with God. And as we agree with God, we are sinners that we sin. His blood washes away the effects of that sin. This enables us to continue to walk in the light. Confession does not mean that we have to air our dirty laundry before each other. It doesn't mean anything of the sort. It does mean that if I have some dirty laundry, I need to find somewhere to give it to God first. And if I need help with that from another believer, I need to seek that out wherever and then do it and then move on and be cleansed because the cleansing is promised if we confess. Sometimes we don't really believe that. So walking in the light is not a means to itself. We don't walk in the light just to be in the light. We don't tell an actor, stand in the light, just so he can feel good about herself or himself. There's a goal. We walk in the light in order to what? 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what? Give glory to who? God, your Father in heaven. In other words, we let our light or our life show before men. In other words, we show what God has done. Sometimes wrongly we show what God has not done too. But we let our light shine that if it's the light that's shining, it's because God did it in order that they may see my good works. Not in a prideful sense, but in a fulfilling sense. When somebody brings you an apple pie, aren't you glad? Yes. And then you eat it. Hmm. Do that again. Well, what's the point of that? That you may give glory to your Father in heaven. Please, I'm on a diet. Don't bring me an apple pie. Much as I would love it. Here... Here are some simple steps to do this. No one who's ever lived was an exception to this. Here's what you can say about yourself. I can know the light who is Jesus Christ. No one is outside of his love and care. I can know him. That's what being a Christian is is. I can know him by confessing my sin and agreeing with him that what he did on the cross was die for my sin and remove that penalty so that I could walk in the light with him. I can know the light, number one. Number two, I can walk in the light which makes me more like Christ. Not in a prideful sense. I'm not saying Blah, blah, blah. I remember when I was a little boy, I first, you know, everybody looks up when they finally realize what their name is. And I looked up, my real name is Michael. And do you know what the meaning of the word Michael is? He who is like God. It's okay to laugh. <laughs> and that's where the similarity ended <laughs> at age six. On the other hand, that's what the Christian is as God works in his or her life. We become more like Christ. And it is beautiful. It is so beautiful. When somebody touches your life and reaches out to you in a way that was a surprise or a beautiful expression of just, how did you know I needed that, is what you say. And the answer is, maybe they didn't, but guess who did? the one who really loves you and sent them. And that's God. I can walk in the light which makes me more like Jesus Christ. Third, I can share the light by doing good works. It costs you nothing, my friends, to love people. Nothing. Except maybe your ego sometimes. So I would say just do it. <laughs> love the people in this room. And when you get out of, out of here, love the people at the Chinese restaurant or wherever, Wahoo's or wherever you're going today. Gold Canyon Cafe. Not sure where any of you are with the Lord. Uh, I am sure where some of you are. But today, in process, some of you 
may be in a good place and there may be others of you that are not in a good place. This is to both of you. God knows. He knows. It would be better if some of us knew, not because we want to eavesdrop, but because life was not intended for you to have to carry the burden all by yourself because it's too heavy. You can't do it. I mean, you can try. How's that going? The fact that you're here at church tells me that you sense something in your life that's needy. That's why you're here. Most people do come to church in order to get something, in addition to maybe to give something. It ought to be both. Not sure where you are today. Some of you may need to take a step with Christ and come to know Him. Some of you that listen to this podcast may need to get down on your knees or sit in your easy chair or drive the car wherever you are and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner um, and I need you. I need your forgiving power through Christ. I want to trust you for that today. Um, And some of you may need to make that step. Maybe you've all your life have wondered if you're a believer. One of the things that First John says is, I have come that you may know that you have eternal life. In other words, there's no need to wonder. Second thing, some of you um, may need to take step two. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a very obedient Christian. Maybe you need to say, the time has come for me to do this. And by God's grace based on a commitment I'm making right here, right now, I'm going to endeavor to do this. And whatever I need to accomplish that, I'm trusting God to provide it. Maybe it's courage, maybe it's money, whatever it is. Do it. Trust Him. I promise you it'll be worth it. Third, uh, maybe some of you need to Get outside of your shell and trust God again for your life and witness. Maybe you need to love some other people more than you love your own privacy. And get out of your house and car and television and do something. And love on some people and let them know about the beauty that's in your life because of Christ. People desperately need that from you. That's why God saved you in order that they may see your good works and give glory to God, your Father. So, the train was traveling through the night in a very violent rainstorm. The lightning flashes were almost blinding The rain was hitting the windows, was deafening, and the strong gust winds were rocking the train from side to side. When the lightning flashed and lit up the darkness, the passengers could see the rising water along the tracks. This created a certain terror in the minds of the passengers. Uh, Several passengers noted that through all the noise, lightning and wind, one of the passengers, a little girl, seemed to just be in perfect peace. The adult passengers couldn't figure out why this little girl was so calm. It seemed like she should be more scared than anyone. Finally, one passenger asked her, How is it that you can be so calm when the rest of us are so worried about this lightning and rain? The little passenger smiled and she said, 
my father is the engineer. So, bingo. Bingo. Our father is the engineer of all engineers. And he is running the show. And he has told us the rules, most of them, the ones that matter. And we need to follow them for our own good. And chief among those is walking in the light. I encourage you to practice walking in the light this week. Listen to this. Happiness cannot be separated biblically from holiness. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that you would allow us um, to experience the beauty of this truth. And if we need to do something about it, I pray that we might give it a shot and do something about it. And if it falls miserably, then we're going to learn some good lessons. But Father, help us not to just hear your word and do nothing. That's like the seed that fell on the dry parched land, dried up and blew away. I pray, Father, that your word might fall on us and be watered and tended and grow into something of beauty and people around us might give glory to God for our good works, that they may give glory to God, their Father in heaven. Thank you for this truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us for the next lesson in this Center Stage teaching series and tell a friend about the Meaning of Life podcast. For more information about Center Stage Church in Gold Canyon, Arizona, visit centerstagechurch.org. Thank you.